Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, this is Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church, where we are changing the way the world sees God. Now, you might ask, why in the world would you be trying to change the way the world sees God? Well, because uh, the Bible prophesies that a time will come when, when really after oppression by leaders, after oppression by governments, after oppression by all of these antichrist factions that are in the world and in religion and all that kind of stuff, that ultimately the time will come when people will see God as he is instead of the way that religion makes him out to be. Now, the church is crippled. The church is pretty much, you know, I'm not saying the church isn't accomplishing anything. I am not saying that the church is, is completely impotent. The sad thing is you've got great churches all over the world. You've got dedicated Christians all over the world. But the problem is uh, they're not just fighting against the world system. They're not just fighting against iniquity and, and godlessness in the world. They're also fighting against the religious people who do not want to let the church be the church, who do not want us to be really God's representatives here on planet Earth. And I'm just going to tell you something. You know, uh, the day is going to come when the church is going to wake up and they're going to realize we have been asleep at the wheel while the world has gone to hell. We have been asleep at the wheel fighting over things that don't mean anything. I remember when I first got saved, I, I read a book by uh, Richard Wormbrand, who uh, uh, was imprisoned and oppressed and, and, uh, by communism. And, uh, you know, he talked about how that, how that American Christians would argue about, have division over the color of Mary's eyes. And he said, you know, they, they just didn't really have the, they really didn't have the, the, the freedom, if you will, or the interest or the time to fight about things that were so insignificant when they were watching millions of people die. Now, now let me just get this. You need to get life in perspective. Now, now stop and think. You know, the, the communists in Russia, you know, have killed, uh, who knows, uh, at least 100 million, maybe more. Uh, the communist Chinese in uh, China, have killed about over 100 million people. Hitler killed millions and millions of people. We don't even know how many people died as a result of the wickedness of Hitler. And now the entire world is being taken over by socialism, which is one step away from communism. Socialism is the, is the final stage of deceit to make you believe uh, that, that somebody other than God can absolutely be your source. And so the whole world is turning their backs on God. You know, I, I heard some stats the other day that said, that said probably two-thirds two of the people in America um, and in Europe don't even believe in God anymore. So people say, well, well, well there's a reason for that. Da, 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 da. Well, here's the reason people don't believe in God, because they don't want to, because what the church has been offering 
is of no real value in real life. And we haven't been relevant. I think there's great churches that are relevant. There's great churches out there that are discipling people and showing them how to live an effective life. But by and large, most of the church doesn't even agree on what is a relevant life. They don't even agree on what are we supposed to be doing with our life? What is our reason for being here as Christians? And almost all of the answers that people come up with are negative and they're destructive and uh, uh and they don't accomplish God's plan for planet Earth. And ultimately, it's going to take Jesus coming back himself to accomplish God's plan for mankind here on planet Earth. But between now and then, we are supposed to be getting equipped to take the message, not just the message. You know, I, I kind of I hate that, that concept of a message, uh, but to take the gospel not just the message of the gospel, but the life of the gospel, the power of the gospel to the ends of the earth. And we're supposed to make disciples who suddenly go, well, wait a minute, I can be everything that God says I am. I can, I can do everything God says I can do. I, you know, I, I'm a child of God. I am raised up in the resurrection power of Jesus. And suddenly we, we will come to understand you know, what our life is supposed to be about, what we're supposed to be spending our life and time, uh, uh, you know, doing here on planet Earth. So today we'll talk to you about equipped. Man, I like that word, equipped. Now, being equipped is something that God wants to happen in the lives of every single believer uh, for a purpose. And that purpose is to fulfill God's plan for planet Earth, for mankind and planet Earth. Now, I want you to understand something. Everything about God has been so twisted, it has been so corrupted. Everything about the gospel has been so twisted, corrupted, and watered down and perverted that the real truth is people, they, people wouldn't know Jesus if he walked up and, and introduced himself. You know, I'm, I'm thinking a lot of us, a lot of Christians are going to get to heaven and they're going to say, who's that guy over there? And somebody's going to say, oh, well, that's Jesus. That's the guy that got you here. That's the guy that paid the price. But who he is is so foreign to people who identify as being Christians that so many people are not going to recognize. They're not going to know him. Now, the plan that God has for mankind has never changed. It has been the same for the beginning. That plan is for mankind to enter into a, a heart-to-heart -heart relationship with God, which only happens by faith. And faith is trust. Faith is not where you're trying to make something happen. Faith is not where you're believing hard enough to get God to do something. Faith is this. I trust who God is. I trust what God says. And so I connect with him heart-to-heart. -heart. God is going to be my closest connection with any other living uh, entity in all of this universe. And so we become one with God, and we experience how good God is. And so we make a journey out of the world, out of the world system, out of the world's belief system, out of the world corrupt uh, definitions of success and love and you know, relationships and all that kind of stuff. And we live this incredible life. We make this journey, just like the children of Israel did, out of Egypt and into Canaan, which was a type of the promised land. It is a type of coming into the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. 
It is a type of experiencing the provision, the power, the protection of God here on planet Earth and living a life that is so incredible that the rest of the world looks at us and says, I want what you have. You know, I tell you, I've said this a lot of times. It could sound mean. I don't mean for it to sound mean, but you got to get real. You know, I had a clinic for a number of years. I studied uh, alternative medicine for uh, decades. And uh, in our clinic, one of the saddest things in the world was uh, people who were tragically ill and tragically sick, and and uh, uh, but they wouldn't do. They wanted to be well, but they weren't willing to do what it took to get well. And usually, they ended up blaming somebody, blaming God or whatever. But the real truth is, uh, they trusted. They liked their ice cream better than they liked having energy. They, they liked their white bread better, better than they liked being strong and healthy. They liked all of these things that were killing them because they had, they had inundated themselves. They, they, had, they, had, they had built their lives around uh, gratifying the lust of the flesh. And so the, so the real truth is, stop thinking about it. Nobody wants what a sick person has. Nobody wants what a weak person has. Nobody wants what a failure has. And so, you know, one of the questions I've asked people a lot of times is like, let me ask you this. When is the last time, you know, they'll be complaining about their family, for example, and they're a believer and they're in here for counseling. And so one of my questions is, when is the last time somebody in your family said, you know what, I, I really want to be like you. You inspire me to want to be a better person. And most of the time people say, well, nobody's ever said that. And I said, well, then that's the problem with your family. The problem with your family is not what your family is doing. The problem with your family is what you are doing or not doing. The problem with the family is they don't look at you and see somebody enjoying the very best life possible on planet Earth. Uh, they look at somebody that's miserable and as unhappy as they are. So, so why would they want what you got? See, the children of Israel, they were the top. They were the model. And the Apostle Paul said this, says this in 1 Corinthians, all of 1 Corinthians 10, and really in a lot of other places, he doesn't say it quite as, as explicitly, but he, he definitely points out that the, that the nation of Israel was a type that would show us what it would look like when we walked with God, when we didn't walk with God, when we trusted God, when we didn't trust God. And so the children of Israel, they were sent on this journey and, and again, this, this journey involved all kinds of encounters. But actually, this journey should have taken them about, I think, 11 days or something like that. And instead, they roamed around pointlessly in the wilderness for 40 years. In other words, they had no purpose for God. They were not accomplishing anything for God. If anything, they were they were a stench in the nostrils of the world that was watching them as, the, as they stumbled and fell and as they self-destructive and, and as they violated all the wisdom of God. But what they were supposed to do, they were supposed to get in, go into the promised land. Why is it called the promised land? Because it's given to you by promise. You can't earn it. It is a promise. And faith is the only thing, faith in the promise, trusting that God is sure, trusting that God's promises are sure, that is the only thing that can get you into the promised land or get you into heaven on earth or get you into what the Bible often calls the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And so, and so uh, 
once they got into the promised land, once God's promise became real to them, they were to build a tabernacle and they were to establish their lives around uh, laws and commandments, not legalism. We're not talking about legalism here. We're talking about God's defined way of walking in love, God's defined way of how we treat each other, God's defined way about how we influence people's lives. And really, they were to become such a just nation, a fair nation, a, a nation that because they were reflecting the love of God would be envied by all of the nations of the world. And the tabernacle that was going to be built there in Canaan was going to was going to become a house of prayer for all, A-L-L, all nations. Well, that's not what happened. None, almost none of that happened. Did they build a tabernacle? Yeah. Did it become a house of prayer for all nations? No. It became a place for a bunch of religious, self-righteous people gathered together and looked down their long, bony noses and pointed their long, bony fingers at the rest of the world and talked about their sin and how bad, how wicked they were. The world didn't come to Israel and say, man, alive, you guys, this is incredible. The nation that God has given you, the people that you have become. And one of the main things was justice. I tell you, the justice applied according to God's word is, is kinder, more loving. It produces more life, peace, and joy than anything that's being done anywhere in the world today. And certainly more than anything that was being in the world back then. And so they were to become an attraction to, uh, to all the nations of the world. Well, that's exactly what we are supposed to do. We're supposed to, we have a purpose, and that purpose is to make a journey. And that journey is called, in the New Testament, is called discipleship. We are to become disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to walk with him. And actually, all of the things that happened with the children of Israel in coming to know God, and celebrating the feast and the sacrifices and all that kind of stuff, all of those are types of what we have in Jesus. And just like they were supposed to continually do these every year and, and approach God from their heart, approach God from the promises that were made to them, uh, we are supposed to do that. And the Apostle Peter says, look, you need to be ready. If, you, if you're going to live this life the way God you know, is calling you to live this life, then you need to be ready to give an answer to everyone that asks you about the hope. Why do you have so much hope? Why do you have confident expectations? Why are you always you know, got a positive outcome? Why do you always rise above your situations? Why do you have a good attitude when people all around you have a bad attitude? And I'm, I'm just going to tell you, if no one ever asks you why you're different, you're not different. You're just like they are, and they're not interested in having more of what they have already got. Now, you say, Brother Jim, that's a hateful thing to say. Well, you know what? Sometimes I've had to look in the mirror and say it to myself. And I've got my share of failings. I've got my share of shortcomings. I've got, and, and you know what? The mark of being righteous is not that you never fall. It's when you fall, you don't stay down because the righteousness of God in you says, get up, overcome this, live like a godly person, walk in love, treat people fairly. You know, stop lying, stop cheating, stop controlling, stop doing all this kind of stuff and be somebody that treats people the way God treats people. And when people want to know why you're treating people the way you are, you say, you know what, because this is exactly how God would treat you if you'd give him the opportunity. Man, a lie. 
So the point is that journey that the children of Israel made from Egypt to the land of Canaan, and of course everything that happened after they arrived there, that was a model and an example. And that was, that was really our understanding of what it means to believe on Jesus as Lord, uh, come out of the world and become disciples of Jesus who we build every part of our life on the Word of God uh, applied by, by, uh, by faith because you trust God, not because you're trying to get God to do something for you, and from the motive of love because you want to be that person who walks in love. So we are called to be equipped. And, and people say, well, equipped for what? I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, you know I've, I've spent the last nearly 50 years uh, working with leaders, coaching pastors, counseling pastors, helping build churches, helping start ministries, helping, you know, advise people who were leading ministries. And it's amazing to me how many people are in the ministry that have no clue what we're supposed to be equipping people to do and exactly how we're going to equip people to do it. The closest thing that the majority of the church today comes to making disciples is they disciple you to their church. They disciple you to make their church grow. They disciple you to give them the offering basket. They, they disciple you to bring people to church. They disciple you to work in the ministry. They disciple you to help take care of the church grounds. You know something? You should do those things. I am not against any of that. I am for every bit of that. But this sort, it's sort of like, you know, Jesus told the Pharisees, he, he said, look, he said, you teach people to tithe their mint, you know, their mint and, 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 and their little vegetables or whatever, but you, you, you leave out all the weighty things. You leave out all the important things. You see, all those things I just said that the church tends to do and call it discipleship, those are valuable things. But they're not valuable things when you leave out the weightier things that says, I have a purpose here and I can know this purpose and I'm supposed to be equipped. Equipping is the process of discipling. You know, in Ephesians uh, uh, 4, uh, starting in verse 12, it starts talking about this whole concept of equipping. By the way, let me say this before I jump into this, because I, I want to make sure you know, all the things I've been teaching you about uh, heaven on earth, how to have heaven on earth, this is all part of it, but I want you to know I have an incredible uh, eight-message audio series that is not an overlap of what I do here in these videos. These videos are all free to you. Uh, you know, I have people ask me all the time, they say, you know, how in the world do you afford to put out so much free content? Well, it's real simple. A lot of people want this, but there's a lot of people that say, you know what, I am a disciple. I am making this journey, and so I'm going to invest in myself, thereby investing in other people. See, this is how we finance uh, taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. This is how we finance, uh, uh, you know, books and audios and, and videos and being online all over the world. You know, as far as I know, we're we're in every nation of the world online preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And so um, you might want to check out this, the, the series on, called Heaven on Earth. And if you purchase that series, you will get a free download of the book Heaven on Earth. And again, that's not overlap. I'm telling you, this is the most important training you will ever go through. This is the most important knowledge base that you'll ever gather because finally you will understand. I am supposed to be equipped. Here's what I'm equipped to do. And here's how I will be equipped. So let's look at some of these scriptures very quickly. Because 
I spent a lot of time on all this. So in Ephesians 4, it talks about the role of ministers. And it says that the role of ministers in the church is for the equipping uh, of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So when saints are equipped, then one of the things that's going to happen is they are going to do the work of the ministry. They're going to learn about the work of the ministry. Secondly, they are going to build up the body of Christ, or the body of Christ is going to be built up. Now, this word equip is a compound Greek word. It's a really interesting compound Greek word because uh, the first part of this concept of equipping has to do with being made whole. It's the, it's the Greek word that has to do with mending the fishnets. So when you mend the fishnets, when you make them whole, when you repair them, then they become suitable for fishing. They become suitable for catching fish. Now, if you don't mend the nets, then, you know, you may catch some fish, but most of them may get away. Or, you, may, you know, you may not catch any fish. So the first part of ministry always should be aimed at making you whole. And I always put this in here through the love of God establishing you in your identity, establishing you into knowing who God is, establishing you into really knowing what Jesus has done for you, establish you in the, in the new covenant so that, so, that, so that you step into a new identity in Christ. And this is all you know. This is who you are. This is how you live. And, and you walk and move in power, in the power of God. And, and again, when, when you even start talking about power of God, it's really interesting. And, you know, I came up, uh, you, know, you know, I gave my life to the Lord back in 71 or 72. And, uh, and so uh, uh, back in those days, when people thought about the power of God, they really only thought about the power of God from the perspective of going out and, and them ministering to other people, casting out demons, laying hands on the sick, working miracles and all that kind of stuff. Well, the real truth is most of those people who went out and pursued that gave it up before long because they got tired of, of trying to produce the power of God in their ministry, and it just wasn't happening. I, I, I remember a really, really good friend of mine, and he, and he told this story about how when he, when he was in Bible college, there, there was a, a young man there who was in a wheelchair. and. And, and, and I can't remember if he actually went and tried to raise this guy up out of his wheelchair or if he just struggled constantly because he didn't have the confidence to go do it. And he always wondered, what would happen if I did it? Well, I'll tell you what would ha usually happen. Nothing. And so the majority of people who have tried to move in the power of God in an external way, in a way that I'm trying to get the sick healed and I'm trying to cast out demons, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to influence and affect people's lives, so many times, those people have just ended in unbelief and discouragement. Some have totally thrown away God. I tell you, that there's a world of people in the grace movement today that the real reason they're in the grace movement, which is they've taken off the rails, they've removed most of the gospel, they've abandoned, you know, they've abandoned the Holy Spirit, they've abandoned getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, they've abandoned praying in, in, in the Spirit, they've abandoned uh, getting people saved, they've abandoned all of that because they tried to lay claim to the power of God and went out and they were completely spiritually impotent. They could not produce anything in their life. I want you to know there is nothing much 
that you have to offer to the world out there unless it has first happened in you. If you are not experiencing the power of God, then the problem is when you go out and start trying to move in these things, you don't, you don't have any idea what you're doing. You know, I have a program called Heart Physics, and we, cre we create and develop uh, heart physics coaches. And so when a person applies to become a heart physics coach, they get really frustrated really, really quick because they say, what I do? I said, well, first of all, you start using heart physics yourself. And um, when you've used this for a year yourself, then we're ready to talk about you being a coach. And I've had a lot of people say, well, you know, I can go over here to so-and-so and, -so and I, can get, I can get certified in six weeks. Well, then go over there and get certified, see what you got. I can go, I can go to this school over here and, and, and you know, in, in three months, I can, I, can get a, I can get some kind of certification or get hands let on me or something. Go do it. That, that's what you want to do. Because the truth is, I want to equip you, uh, which starts by you getting mended you experiencing the power of God in your own life. And then when you can navigate that and when, when you are having success in that, then you are at a place where you are ready to start taking that to other people. And the more you experience something in your own life, then the more effective you are at taking it to other people. And, you know, the, the great thing is when you consistently experience the life and the power of God, then when you get in a situation where it takes years maybe to walk out a problem you don't blame god and you don't deny god because you've experienced enough of his life and power so the word equip starts with being made whole being mended uh, but the second part of that is being equipped to serve so we're not really qualified to go out and serve others if we if we're not experiencing ourselves and I, I just got to tell you, most discipleship is not designed to get you whole and let serving other people and benefiting other people's lives come forth in a, in a very natural way. For most people, uh, it's just, I'm going to go out here and try to do something for God. And they're sincere and they want to do something for God. They want to help people, but, but they generally crash and burn. So all biblical discipleship always involves both of these elements. You, first and foremost, being made whole, and then secondly, you know how to walk from that wholeness and serve and benefit other people. You know, I'm going to be sharing some more with this. I'm going to be, next week, I'm going to be talking to you about everything you need to understand about how to get equipped, how to become a disciple how to come to a place where you experience this wholeness and come to a place to where you're actually able to minister to other people effectively. You know, I hope you're enjoying this. I hope you want to make this journey. I am hoping that right now, this very moment, you're going to look in your heart and you'll say, you know something, God? I've known in my heart that something's been missing. I have known in my heart that I was supposed to live a life that looked like Jesus' life. I've known that I was supposed to be experiencing the power of God. I didn't I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to get there, but I am going to make this journey. So I'm going to invite you back next week. And by the way, don't forget the audio series that's available that you can get, you can purchase as a download. By the way, we will take that money that you spend when you do that, and we will put this into the ministry. You know, we, our ministry has no debt whatsoever. So, you know, for years, there was a percentage that everything that we brought in went to just, you know, paying for buildings, paying for property or this kind of stuff. 
we don't have to pay for anything. Everything's paid for. So everything that comes in now in one shape or fashion ends up going into the ministry. Listen, share this message with other people. If you're watching this on Facebook, like it. Be sure and leave us comments. Other people really enjoy uh, seeing and hearing your comments. And uh, be sure and go to our website, uh, drjimrichards.com or impactministries.com. I'm telling you, we got hundreds of free videos and all kinds of trainings and all kinds of things to help you. Listen, I will talk to you next week and we'll take the next step in this journey. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.